podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello everybody, welcome, it is Face Off, I'm your host Kate, it's Fan Reaction, we are coming to you after the game away at Southampton, weird little game, if I do say so myself, looking at the result, it looks like a regulation victory, but whoa, I tell you what, it was not that way when I was watching it, we've got Aiden Smallback, Saints fan, welcome back Aiden, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you, thanks for having me on Kevin. Oh, always brilliant to have you on mate, and, um, and as always, regular... Man by my side, Guy Drinkle. How are you, Guy? I am very good, Kay. How are you doing? Ah, not bad, not bad. It's always it's always sunny in South Africa. So it's, it's never going to be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so guys, let's start getting into this one because coming into the game, you know, uh, it, it was... Let's start with you, Aiden, because the Saints had been in, uh, like, a little bit of form, maybe. We could say, you know, decent results, maybe too many draws. But yeah, uh, signs of progress. Yeah, I, I, yeah, in a horrific season, it was definitely uh, our, our better period of the year. Um, we got a hard-earned draw against um, uh, against Spurs, which is obviously a, a brilliant result. Any result against the team of that quality, you're, you're happy with. Um, and a number of results in the cup. Um, frustratingly, those wins obviously weren't points on the board. But I'm, you know, at this stage of the season, you can't turn it down for helping build a bit of momentum. Um, with the struggles that we got at the minute, you know, little boosts like that are, are good going into the, the next Premier League games. Um, and that win against West Brom, obviously, before we, we came to you was a huge result. Um, I would have gone as far to say that if, if we hadn't have won that one, um, I think maybe even Pellegrino would have, um, would have gone. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, it was better form. Um, I wouldn't exactly say that we'd fully clicked into place and I don't think Pellegrino's ideas were exactly coming to the forefront of it. Um, I think it was perhaps maybe more individuals um, and and better team selections perhaps coming to a little more fruition and and our our, our individuals stepping up. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd I'd say we were it was possibly our our best patch of form of the season so far. Um, no, that's cool. So I mean, let's look at the starting lineup for the game, Aiden, because I hope I do get his name right. But you've got uh, Carrillo. Indeed. Yep. So why don't you talk about him? But also Emil Hoybier comes into the team. I, l- I saw from the first game, remember we were talking, Aiden, about the first game and how just Southampton, why they looked good in a couple of patches, just seemed to lack that control in midfield. Do you think that that's what was mm-hmm. put on there? Pellegrino sort of put him in to be able to do that kind of thing, sort of win the midfield, win the game? Yeah, um, I think first of all, we'll start with, uh, with Hoiberg. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he, he's absolutely superb for that. Uh, and in, in recent times, I'd say he was up there, despite not getting the initial starts from Pellegrino. I was up there for one of our potential players of the season. Um, it's what he brings to the midfield. He, he's absolutely brilliant at pressing. Um, he, he's always on the heels of, of the opponents. Some of these, you know, I think, added a little more to his game since coming to Southampton. Um, obviously, a very technical footballer, um, very capable of, of dominating games. And I think that's one of the reasons why we went for the three in midfield. Um, I think we wanted to match you in midfield. And I think it's one of those where... You've got to admit that the Liverpool front line is is simply too good, and you if you're getting one on one with one of your your front line, you're most likely in danger. 
Um, so I think the, the place where we were looking to overthrow you was, was in the midfield, stopping the service, getting to, to Salah, Mane, etc. Just trying to limit the amount of times that they can receive it in those dangerous areas. And, uh, Hoiberg's one of the key players that would have played that role, no doubt. And I think he, he'd done an okay job, um, in the first half. I think Lamina was perhaps the better of the two on the day. Um, but then, yeah, obviously we, we come on to Carrillo as well, who, who came from Monaco, um, with a bit of a reputation for being, uh, uh, dominant in the air. Um, he's supposed to statistically he's absolutely superb in his aerial duels. Um, kind of known for his flick-ons as well and bringing others into play. Mm. I've got to be honest, we're yet to see too much of him so far. Um, and he did work under Pellegrino when he was 19, I believe. So he's someone that he is familiar to him. Um, but you know, he, he broke our transfer record. So I think in, in the next couple games, few games, I'm, I'm you know, sure Southampton fans will be excused for, for wanting to see him, you know, maybe grab the game a little more. Mm. take up that more traditional number nine centre forward role you know start bullying a few more centre halves he's played more neat and tidy games so far but when Saints are in this kind of dire form you need someone that's willing to grab the game by the scruff of its neck and, and say right this is time we've got to we've got to push on I think that's what we really need we need a command in centre forward at the minute um, and I'm just hoping that Carrillo with a little with time you know under Pellegrino of course he needs his time any new signing does um, especially even in this bad form but yeah he needs to be that man for Saints yeah, but the thing is, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and because last time when we spoke, we talked about Liverpool having a couple of strikers, maybe surplus to requirements at the club, mm-hmm. and maybe you should look at, you know, taking one of them on, you know, on the books at Southampton, and your answer yeah. was, well, we need somebody to hit the ground running immediately. You know, we need somebody to just yeah. sort of, uh, and exactly, you know, you get Gabby Adini, and you got Shane Long and that kind of thing, but it's sort of, you know, they're finding it difficult. The, the goings are difficult for them at the moment, and uh, you just want sort of, especially somebody like Carrillo, who that almost like, um, not exactly the same player, but almost like that Pella type of template to just yeah. play that kind of game. I think that's what they're looking for. I think so. And if you look at this, this start of the season so far, um, by far and away, our, our most effective forward this season has, has been Charlie Austin. Um, really sad to lose him through injury. I think one of the reasons why Charlie's been so good for us is Charlie's got that weird knack of, of being absolutely superb for a team that can be as dysfunctional as you like. He will score goals in any old team, uh, <laughs> and he lives, he lives off of feeding off of scraps of teams that are struggling, um, who teams do, who don't have an identity. Charlie's absolutely perfect at, at kind of coming into the team and taking all the weight on his shoulders and saying, look, you, you might be a bit afraid in front of goal, but I'm, I'm not. I'm going to take that chance. And that's what one of the, the profile of player that I think in ways, Pellegrino, he mentioned in one of his presses that he thinks Carrillo has similar qualities. Um, mentioned the big frame, um, strong in the air, someone that's willing to constantly seek for chances, someone that challenges his marker rather than tries to lose them, um, which is something that I think Gabbiadini and Long often look to do. So if we can have Carrillo at least firing like, like Austin was in the earlier stages of the season, um, that'll be a big boost for us. But at the minute, I've got, I've got to say Charlie is, uh, my man, for when he comes back in the rest of the season, it's it's back in the lineup for me for Charlie. Mm. No, I I would agree with that. Guy, onto the Liverpool perspective, looking at our starting lineup and you know just looking to overcome that result. I suppose you could call it at Spurs, absolutely mad game. But speaking about breaking transfer records and so on from a Southampton perspective, Virgil van Dijk comes back into this one. That was the talk around it. Quite interestingly, Guy, I thought what was nice was. Before the game, there was less moaning about the starting lineup and more just discussion about the management of the starting lineup across our games that are coming up. 
Yeah, I mean, the uh, the problem with us in rotation is that we've got the Champions League midweek and Emre Chan's suspended, so that midfield didn't pick itself, but we always knew Emre Chan was going to play. But I agree, there's there's less mourning nowadays. I'm not sure if that's due to a lack of options or it's just the <laughs> fact that we're, quite, we're, we're kind of happy where we are at the minute. I mean, we're probably the second form team behind City. Um, obviously, United just screwed up the, the game before, which is always lovely from a Liverpool fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I was more than content with it. But the only criticism I saw is that people thought the midfield that played against Southampton should have played against Tottenham and then vice versa, but probably Chan for Henderson. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm always perfectly happy with it. And Chan was always going to play, but I, I prefer, well, I just like him playing. <laughs> um, Ox. He, st- he had that good patch of form, didn't he, the, mm. before the uh, January transfer window, and then Phil left, and then kind of, I don't want to say he's, been ha- he's, he's had a bit more reputation, uh, a bit more responsibility, I should say, um, and maybe he's just not ready yet, or he's just, I don't want to say not good enough, because time will tell with that, but maybe he's just not, not ready to step into that 100% starter role that, that Phil was in midfield. Um, and then Ginny, well, He's either the best midfielder that we've got, or he's invisible. <laughs> There's no middle ground, mm. is there? Mm. But um, yeah, it, other than the midfield, I mean, the defence. The only change I was um, happy. Well, the, the change I, I like to see are uh, Lovren. Um, even though we weren't the centre defence wasn't that bad against Spurs. Lovren still had a couple couple of mad moments that obviously led to the penalty debate and all that. Um, I always want to see Moreno play for Robertson, but that's just me. Uh, um, and the goal. Well, I'm going to ask situation. you about that in a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the goalkeeper situation. I mean, well, I imagine we'll talk about Carrius a bit more in detail. But it, it's so good having a goalkeeper, even though he's had a couple nervy spots. I'm so much more confident in Carrius than I am with I was with Vinula. I wasn't that sold. Hey, I'm very quickly coming around. Like I, I, I was. <coughs> A bit worried about Carriers, but yeah, you are right. Gag, uh, guy, we will definitely talk about that in, in a little bit. We cannot start Aiden talking about the game without talking about this first goal. And from a Southampton perspective, it just comes too early. And uh, what's your opinion? Because for me, it just came too easily, Aiden. It was just, you know, uh, Wesley who just messes up a little bit and just opens everything up and, it's at, you know, it's right there at the critical point because the ball is a sort of long one. It bypasses everything mm. that's supposed to come between it. It is sort of the point there is Wesley Hoot or nothing. And it was nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I, I don't know if you realize, but a minute or two before, did you notice his other dodgy touch as well? I Wesley, oh, an absolute howler of a one. But yeah, but well, we had I one and know. I said to him, if, if, if we have another one of those, then I mean, there's many front lines in the league that you can maybe get away with doing that too. And I'll tell you what, Liverpool is not one of them. You do not want to give that ball to Mane uh, or Salah or Firmino on the counter-attack like that. They're always on your heels, um, especially with the way you guys press from the front and, and the defensive responsibilities they've got. They're just so alive to, uh, to little chances like that. And those are the kind of things that if you're going and you're facing a big team on that day, chances like that you just can't hand over. It's, it's absolutely infuriating. I think one of the things Pellegrino would have looked to do is cement a first solid 20 minutes, get the foundation, sort your shape out, uh, analyse, see what's going on with Liverpool. Um, so to concede from a, a blatant mistake, something that, especially when it was on his, his stronger left foot, that should have been a, a simple clearance up in the air. If he's got any doubt in that there, 
Um, and it's it's a bit worrying. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Wesley. I, I like him so far. Um, I think maybe he's been a victim of of some poor form throughout the season and some poor management. Um, and maybe not quite having his, his best defensive partner yet, but he, he's shown a couple of little mistakes here and there. Um, perhaps a little a fragile mentality at the minute, which, to be honest with you, in a, in our current situation, I can understand. He's he's got the raw natural qualities there, um, but yeah, disappointing mistake for for Wesley to make. Mm-hmm. Guy, from a Liverpool perspective, it was just nice to get the goal that early and to to help settle us down a little bit. The commentators, you know, one thing I want to ask you, like, I, it's not something I would have asked normally, it's just the commentators were so adamant about this on, I, I don't even know which is the, the source channel it, it's come from, probably Sky or something like that, but talking about how the Liverpool front line, sort of their reputation precedes them and, and that's what sort of gets into the mind of defenders and then they do stuff like that. Mind you, the commentators also said that um, if Southampton have a free kick near the Liverpool box, if they didn't know, now they know. They have to worry about the counter attack. I, like, I dare say Southampton knew about that before the game. But, um, you know, what do you think about that first goal from a Liverpool perspective? Do you think we it was just sort of uh, mentally just getting into defenders' heads a little bit? Um, kind of. A bit. I think it was a bit of that, and then I think it was a bit of how we just kind of. Went for the quick counter-attack. I mean, quick release from Carrius, then it was basically Ox, one kick upfield. And I'm, it, it's a huge mistake by Hood. Um, but it, it's just that we got the, the ball upfield so quickly. I mean, it kind of created the error itself. I mean, 99 times out of 100, he does clear that ball, but it's, um, I'm not, I'm not sure how we do it. I'm not sure how we screwed it up. It's, uh, it was actually impressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> But from a from a Liverpool's perspective, it was it was just nice to see that we we we're doing stuff a bit quicker at the back, um, and that's about it. I mean, as soon as as soon as who made the mistake and it fell to Salah, it was de- it was definitely going in. I mean, Salah's had the odd clanger, but he, we know that what he is in front of goal, he's an absolute killer. He he he, he, p- he picks the right decision, obviously passes to Firmino, and then Firmino scores. So it's we just seem to have a clinical decision making um in in moments where people screw up nowadays i mean some sometimes liverpool were quite nice and didn't and didn't um, take full effect of mistakes but since salah's came and it's it's not it's not that anymore it's absolutely ruthless mm, 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 that's it's been nice i must say but after the goal aiden something happened mm-hmm. and wow like it was it was just i don't know if I've seen this happen to Liverpool too many times this season, but Brampton react really well. We have yeah. a little bit of a signal, the Hoybeer chance at about the 17th minute. Um, I've got notes here after that. Southampton certainly the better team since the goal, slowly coming back into the game uh, in the 20th minute. But by the time we get to the 28th, uh, the, the Carrillo header comes in straight at Carriers, and then the Ward Prowse rips one into the box, and uh, and, and um, oh he he. He smacks one at Karras. Karras just tips it over. A little less than 10 minutes later, corner causes havoc. Omni shambles, you know. It, it, it's just that whole yeah. period from the time from the time of the goal uh, for most of the half, Southampton just absolutely controlled the game. It was and, and Liverpool didn't yeah. mistakes. They were disrupted, 
but they couldn't keep possession. It was, uh, I've, again, I've not seen this too many times of Liverpool just not ha- really having the spots to be able to control or get out of their own half. Yeah, I think I think we had a, a, a brilliant bit of play after that. And I remember the, uh, the the chance that really stands out to me beside the Hoiberg one was uh, Ward-Prowse's header in the box. I think you'll remember that one, free alone in the box. And if that's Korea, if that's his centre forward on the end of that, um, then, then that's most likely a goal. prowsey has been in good form lately, but I, I wouldn't bank on him burying one with his head from an angle like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think in that half hour spell, particularly, uh, Mario Lamina was, was absolutely on his, on his top game. Um, he's an absolute delight to watch. Um, and in, in recent games is, is just about our only positive light going forward. Um, he, he's absolutely brilliant in the knock on effect he has to the front line, the rest of the team. He brings this intensity on and off the, the ball. Um, that, that we don't have so often at the time. And it's, 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 it's so gutting that we have to look to players to influence the game in themselves rather than the manager's tactical decisions and the manager's setup. Um, mm. we've seen it time and time again this season. And that, that's the reason why so often it happens to Southampton <coughs> for a 30 minute period rather than a 90 minute period. That's the, the problem where we've, we've gone so wrong so many times. And, and lo and behold, I mean, we conceded just before the break and after that, brilliant first half hour start we concede in the 42nd minute and and because of the situation we find ourselves in because of the manager that we have because of the mentality that's now set onto our, into our team we we knew that that was the game over essentially we knew that one just before the break and all the, the lads turn around heads down and it's you know oh back back to the usual routine yeah, yeah, no, definitely definitely i mean yeah from our perspective guy before that second goal comes in I was not comfortable at all. I didn't like the chances that Southampton were allowed to create. Again, I mean, what happens there? We just, we couldn't, passing just goes to nothing. We couldn't get out of our own half. And and you can certainly argue that Southampton should have created a couple more chances from the way we were playing. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Aidan made a good point. Their chances kind of fell to the wrong people, didn't they? Um, so it could, it could have been another story on a different day, but... I think the problem really stemmed from midfield. Um, Ox was kind of being anonymous. Ginny, although I thought Ginny was our best midfielder in the entire game, first half he wasn't. He was he was being invisible. Ginny, he wasn't getting involved that much. Chan, Chan He's was being Ginny in a bottle. <laughs> yes, yeah. Chan was was getting involved, but he was very sloppy on the ball. But he was st- he was still doing okay defensively. Like I, I don't think anything was was getting through directly through the midfield, but they, they were creating chances from uh, wide areas and stuff like that. I mean, Trent, you would target a 19-year-old kid, wouldn't you? And any team would. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's on the other side. You'd, you'd always target a, target a, yeah, a youngster at right back. Um, but yeah, I think the midfield and then them trying to take advantage of a youngster. I thought Trent did well, but there's a, he's not going to be able to block every cross. And then, I mean, from set pieces and wide angles, I mean... Ward Prowse's delivery is probably one of the best in the Premier League. From I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I watch Southampton every week, but he, he seems to have a, a wand of a left, a wand of a right foot. Yeah, we uh, share the same view. <laughs> I'm not surprised. He, he looks like Beckham, but he can twat it a bit harder. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's about it. But he, they just they seem to create a lot. But I think I think Van Dyke especially. I, I imagine Aidan knows this from his Southampton days. His head is just a ball magnet. He doesn't let stuff get past him. I know the couple chances they had were, were uh, I think they were on Robertson um, losing the man at times. I think that was, it was just a couple individual errors where their chances came from. But I think the centre-backs did well in the main. 
But um, yeah, in terms of getting out, um, we were just under pressure for basically what it seemed like 30 to 35 minutes. And then obviously the second goal came and it was just a huge relief because it, that that first half, it was it was a worry, as you said, Kev. It, it was like, how are we under siege? And um, what Aidan said about Lamina, you could see it. He's an absolute physical specimen. I mean, we've we've seen Liverpool teams struggle against people like Nzonzi in the past, but Lamina's pretty much him but add on a couple more stone. <laughs> he's um, an absolute tank. But no, the, it, it's weird. I mean, Southampton's always been one of the teams that seems safe, but looking at that team in that first half, you, I know the manager's been a bit shit, but I don't no idea how they're in the bottom three going off that first No half. idea. No idea. I, I, and I, yeah, I, I definitely want to touch on that with Aiden uh, looking at matches coming up but what was really funny about the the second goal as it came in the commentators were talking about how clinical Liverpool's front three is I was sitting with my girlfriend and she's a Spurs supporter and for her Spurs have the you know the best sort of a uh, uh, front line um in the prem and it's it's sort of you know I mean you you can sort of see that they, Spurs have a wonderful side and she was arguing that Liverpool are not clinical I was thinking, ah, oh, we've got like really good conversion rates and stuff like that. Just, you know, no, I, I don't think so. And as that happens, Liverpool scored a second goal. And it's almost like <laughs> underlined my point. It just felt very undeserved from our point of view, which was mm. it's quite wonderful because we have to work so hard for our goals. <laughs> but it's got it was just such a kick mm. in the teeth, Aiden, as you're saying. And we can talk about the second goal and how good it was, but given how good Southampton was in that half an hour period. What happened after that? You know, let's look as we go into the second half and the effect of that goal. I'll ask Guy a little bit more about the goal in particular. But that goal comes out and it, it is very good. And, you know, we can talk about uh, the defense. I didn't think there was any real problem with uh, with mm. Aaron's, anything like that. But right after that, like, as you're saying, Aiden, it just felt like, Southampton just dropped a little bit after that. I, I mean, it, was mm. it mentality? It, did uh, did Pellegrino did something? And uh, Lamina went off, and he looked very sick. I, you know, we wish him all the best. Hope he comes back. Yeah, he's one of my favorite plays to watch. Um, but you know, what 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 causes that? Is just it just is that the mentality, or is that the manager doing something? I think I think it's partly the mentality. I think that's that's a, a problem with it. Um, I think. Saints, once we've missed a number of chances, it starts creeping into our head and they know that they've missed those chances. Um, it, you can kind of see it eating away at the team sometimes. And there's this weird feeling in the stadium sometimes that as soon as you miss those chances, you know, you get other fans turning to each other and you look around and say, that's going to come back to bite us. And lo and behold, we can see in the 42nd minute and it, it does come back to bite us. I think that's, that's just another issue. I think our finishing also let us down as simple as that. I mean, say if we had, got the one all at that point and we had taken any of one of those chances I mean who knows Liverpool then could have been on the back foot for the final stages of that first half um, and you know that, that's the fine margins in the Premier League you you have a half hour spell of dominance against the top team and you've really got to take that that might be your only half you might be spending the rest of it backs against the wall so you've got to make sure that you you grab those chances grab your points you know get level again and, and look to regroup and I think Liverpool as soon as they hit that break that's the worry with Saints you know that the, the, the other team, they've always got an effective break on the way coming. And, and it's, it's obviously made all the more frustrating given the amount of chances that we have missed. But it's, it's a repeated theme that's happened so mm. many times this mm. season. Um, the, the, the conceding early, first of all, um, in games and then conceding right on the stroke of half time or after a period of dominance. Um, it, it's the same old story. I've, 
honestly, I drive myself insane saying these comments. The amount of times I feel like I've I've said the same things to people or produced, you know, an article trying to do the same write-ups in it. I feel boring going on about the same things, but it really, it really is the same week in, week out. And it is, it's almost unbelievable just how many times we've seen these repeated patterns of play. Um, and it, I think in ways it's the kind of players know it now that even when they do have a good period, they're kind of just eerily waiting for, for when it's going to return back to normality. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it does. It did. It did very much feel like that. The, uh, I mean, yeah, we could, we're going to talk about that second half in, in just a bit. But guy, from our perspective, again, that second goal. Again, it does feel like we just got ourselves out of jail a little bit because we were under the cosh uh, a little bit. But when you have a front line like that, and when you have Bobby Firmino in your side doing things, um, <laughs> it certainly <laughs> just lights up your day. Absolutely, I mean. I mean, people keep saying Firmino's the most underrated player in the league. I mean, I don't think he is anymore. <laughs> um, that 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 uh, backfield pass was absolutely filthy. So, uh, I mean, we've not really seen stuff like that. I mean, Sturridge had that in his locker. Suarez had that in his locker. Lalana does it once in about twenty-five games. Mm. <laughs> uh, but it, it he's just he's <laughs> he's starting to find more consistency and stuff like that. I mean, he doesn't do that every week, but he does. He's starting to do that in uh, on a more consistent basis, and that was the one criticism we had we had of Firmino last season that he he didn't have these big moments. I mean, he's not on Salah's level, obviously, because Salah is. I mean, without him, we'd be a bit screwed. Uh, but Firmino's since uh, Phil's left, he seems to have uh, stepped up in the responsibility um, part of his game, and Southampton, the Southampton game. It, it just showed really. He, he stepped up when we needed to. Obviously, he scored. A, he scored the tapping, which is as 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 the kids would say, a FIFA goal where you just pass it sideways. Um, and then the back heel pass. It's just a, it's just a thing of, of brilliance. It's absolutely beautiful. But yeah, in, ter- in terms of the half, I mean, we did kind of get out of jail a little bit. But uh, this is this is what um, this is what well, not title challenges because Man City are taking the piss. But this is what big teams do. Um, they. They don't play well that much, but they can. They can also do a steady victory, where, whether it's one nil or two nil. I mean, I don't think I'll ever be confident of Liverpool winning one nil, um, but two uh, nil, and then we'll get on to the second half. But second half mentality changes from Southampton um, seemed a bit shell shocked, maybe given up a bit, and then we just kind of controlled the game. Every, everyone stepped up a bit, and we just it was just one of those boring. It was just a boring second half, and that's that's a good thing from Liverpool's perspective. Yeah, we've not actually had a boring half of football in a very, very long time, so we were treated to that. <laughs> but <laughs> let's talk about that. And I think I'm going to start with you, guy, on this one. I think that makes more sense. Did was it? You know, did Liverpool change anything in that second half to to start managing things a bit better? Because even our press wasn't working in the first half. I don't know if Jurgen Klopp. Got in their ears and told them to do something else in the second half, or, or, or in your perspective, was it just Southampton dropping off? I think, I think Southampton dropping off was the main thing. Uh, when did you say did Lamina come off at half time, or was it just a bit after? No, sure. it was after uh, half time, right? It after half time, um, yeah. yeah. I, I think I remember on the post show they were saying he, he, he was ill or something like that, so maybe, yeah. maybe his performance dropped a bit. But I think, I, I think, I was when he came off. Wow, mm. I was was. Pretty worrying, he was actually. he was throwing up galore on pitch side. Ah, like, he was right. throwing up and Ooh. a quick little rant at Pellegrino. It took him ten minutes to take off a guy who was throwing up violently on the side of a pitch. But you know, 
Whatever, oh, no. Pellegrino. <laughs> just run it she off. Was... Go ahead, mate. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Oh god. But but yeah, I think Lamina being ill didn't help. But I think our I think our midfield stepped up quite a bit. Um, Ginny got more involved. I did I did say I thought he was our best midfielder. Um, he he seemed to get more involved. Um, Ox was Ox was weird. I mean, he didn't really get involved. I mean, his he was very invisible. Ginny that game. Um, and then Chan Chan had a couple sloppy passes, but in terms of off ball, uh, oh. He, he was sloppy for a first 10 minutes or so, and then he got a lot better, and then midfield kind of just controlled it from, from there on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the main thing was Southampton dropping off. I mean, bringing on Shane Long and stuff to run about, it, it doesn't really in, incite fear into a team, I imagine. Um, but, yeah, it, it was nice and James Milner, wasn't it? Very boring. <laughs> Aiden, to pick up on that point there, I mean, given what you say about Pellegrino, it just, uh, yeah, my questions are just stupid right now, but <laughs> I, I mean, like Guy is saying there, you, you know, you've got Shane Long to chuck on, but essentially, I mean, this is another criticism of Pellegrino, right? You've got the second half where sort of nothing is happening. It's very different from the first half where Southampton had their own of the play. How do you affect that change? Is it a problem of, not having enough quality on the on the bench, or you know, a, a player to sort of change things, because just swapping out strikers or whatever is not really going to change the system. It's just going to change, yeah. you know, something you get from a particular position. Um, could yeah. Pellegrino have done more in your perspective? I think, yeah, Pellegrino could have most certainly done more. I think there was a, a large freedom from as soon as the players walked out that that second the game was finished. Um, once they walked out in the second half, I don't think. Half of those players even had a, an ounce of belief in them that they could get two, let alone three goals. Um, and, and it's so gutting to see these players, so many talented individuals. This is the thing. This is ridiculous. This is Southampton. This is Southampton. You know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Honestly, we had Nathan Redmond last year had his best career season to date, seven goals. Sofian Bafal should have hit the should have hit the ground running. He yeah. should be an absolute phenomenon. Dusan Tadic for years has recorded a consistent number of, of goals and assists each year. You're guaranteed double digits on assists and, and you're guaranteed a good five or so goals. But this season so far, it's, it's the usual. It's Redmond's got zero goals. Long's got one goal for the season. Tadic is two. Um, Jack Stevens, for crying out loud, I think is, is our second or third top goal scorer at the minute. Um, it, it's just so many issues with the team. Tactically, they have no idea what they're, they're planning to do. There's there's absolutely zero identity, and when I say that, I well and truly mean it. I think you think back to teams of, of Saints' previous history, and you've got a typical Pochettino goal in mind. You've got a typical Ronald Koeman goal. There's a series of play in your mind that you think, well, how did the manager that build that team to to create an identity? How could they impose themselves? And for the life of me, I can't work out what Pellegrino's idea is that he wants to do. I think you talked about the the, the options that were available. Um, and perhaps we don't have good enough ones. And I, I'd still agree. I think we'd still need our, our second top goal scorer. We need, we never really replaced Mane. Um, we needed that second goal threat, that player that's capable of, of stretching play and playing wide, but also being more than capable of, of joining up with his centre forward. I think you'll remember, I'm, I'm sure the, when you were 2 0 up and, and Skirtle came on at half time and we ended up winning 3 2. Um, but that, oh, that was done through, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember that was done through mm-hmm. having players of of, ex, of extreme, you know, uh, physical attributes. I think Pella was absolutely monumental that day, bullying centre halves, grabbing mm-hmm. the game by the scruff of its neck. You have Mane bombing it on down wide, and it was the repeated styles of play that I saw. You know, a, a, the combination of, of 
player's raw attributes and a manager's ideas just working together perfectly and having the belief in itself that you can go on and win the rest of that game. And with Pellegrino, there's absolutely none of those of those three or not. The saddest thing is that two years ago, we would have known that we can come back round in a game like that and crowd get up for the team a little more. And that's what's growing even sadder, that St. Mary's is becoming a bit of... We've grown resigned to it in the stands as well. And I mean, that that certainly doesn't help. But at the end of the day, the, you know, the team and the, the fans, you've got to meet each other halfway, I think. Mm. The, weird, the weird thing for me, and I'm just looking at the squads there, your bench is probably better than Liverpool's. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I know Bufal's not... Yeah, it's a not, very good team. Yeah. I know Bufal's not um, started his mm. Saints career like on fire, but I mean, he was meant to be one of the hottest properties coming out of France, wasn't he? Nathan Redmond, I think he got double-digit goals last season. It, I, I don't get, I don't oh, get, man. I don't get how you you are about that. The, <laughs> the amount of teams that would be in for for Cedric, the amount of teams that would be in mm. for Bertrand, Lamina would mm. be snapped up. I think a team would take a gamble on Hoiberg. Um, I, I think a number of our players would, would be snapped up within minutes. Um, a player like Ward Prowse in a team that's already organised, he would offer. The most sublime set pieces, um, and would be a brilliant player that was on rotation. I'd, I'd, I'd you know, there's so many players that shouldn't be, hmm. yeah, there's so many players that shouldn't be performing at the levels that they are. And, and it's, it's most frustrating because we're realistically, we're not going to keep a number of these players for another three years. So we're, we're wasting time with players of, of this ridiculous talent. And I guess, you know, we look back on the past at all the times we had to wave goodbye to the players and we're gutted and, you know, the player sales, but oh, at least they, you know, were able to put out the performances on the pitch and we at least got our joy on the pitch from it. And, and now we're just wasting time with, with these extremely talented players. Yeah, there's no, I, I understand your frustration. It's just, it's just crazy sad. It, it's, you know, especially from a team like, like when I say this is Southampton, it's, it was, it shocked me, like really before the game to see Southampton had dropped into the bottom three. It just, there's no mm. way that Southampton should be vaguely near the relegation positions. You know, we're no. not even talking about your team, just no. your your history, the recent history that you guys have had, the types of football that you've played, the managers that you've brought through. You know, it it just, it, it it's chalk and cheese what you should be doing versus what you are doing. And it it's it, it's then, you know, it's even more frustrating when you have the manager sort of coming out and saying things like, we're a couple weeks away or whatever. <laughs> you know, oh, like, honestly, honestly. He's saying we, the amount, of the, the quotes, you've got Pellegrino bingo at the minute between Southampton fans. You've got the, we're growing <laughs> the game by game, you know, slowly but surely we'll get there. And you're like, okay, slowly but surely six months on Pellegrino. Come on. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I always said it's, you've got to give people an opportunity to settle down. Sure. But I think that comes in at like, you know, sort of by the 10th game, you should be seeing yeah. enough there right. to be able to convince you of what's going on, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's interesting because, you know, in that position, we've just come past the, the, the mid-year point. So, you know, mid-season point and stick or twist. Do, do you feel that there's a chance there that, uh, the Southampton board just bites the bullet and, and sends him on his way? I th- I've got to be honest. Huh? And I think I'm, I'm almost resigned to relegation now. So where's the harm in, in rolling the dice? I, I honestly can't see what we could possibly lose. I, there's no, I think always a good way of judging a manager's capabilities or a manager's time at the club is, is the amount of players perhaps that flourished under his management, the amount of players that stepped up mm. truly. 
Um, and even we think back to, to Claude Puel last year. I mean, he wasn't a particularly popular amongst Southampton fans, but at least I think, you know, Redmond had his best season to date. So did Cedric. Bertram was, was solid as ever. Romeu had by far, he was arguably one of the best defensive midfielders in the league last season. Mm. Um, and, and it's all come crashing down. It, it really has. Um, I, I think it's about time that we, I, we've been saying it for weeks now. Um, and the, the, the fans have been screaming out for, for questions from, from the board on the case. Um, and they seem like they're, they're willing to keep rolling with, with Pellegrino. Um, and if I had my way right now, we can't, I'd, I'd take Marco Silva. I've got to be yeah, honest. With I was, I was going to ask you about, yes. he was your, he was your roommate. Yeah. Him, so. Yeah. I mean, we, we need to get three, four wins on the trot. You honestly, I don't think this stage of the season, you can afford to let your top flight status perhaps rest in the hands of others. I mean, what if, what if West Brom go, go on a three game win streak here and there? I mean, that, that scares the living daylights out of me. So yeah, I think new, at least new ideas, new management. We need this well, final period just, of the just season. Just look what Carvajal's done at Swansea. Exactly. Exactly. But that's the thing. The Southampton team can do that. Mm, <laughs> you know, they, we can, they can very paper. easily. It, it, it just, I mean, ah. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be it'll be a sad day if if yeah. I hope it doesn't happen. That's that that would just suck. That would just yeah. I mean, we'd have to stop these podcasts and all. I'd have to bring yeah. them in like, let's draw each other in the cup, you know. <laughs> We'd have to have like I a special. Would, that's enough to move as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking looking at it from a player perspective, I will move on to you, guy. Um, I want to talk about Carius and what you thought about his performance. <clears throat> he was very good. Um, I don't think any of his uh, any of his saves were De Gea-esque. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think some people have been saying, "Oh, if De Gea made this save, they've been renaming the Sky Sports Channel and all this shit." But no, all 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 of his saves <laughs> were. Um, you'd expect a goalkeeper of, of a team like us to, to make it, but we we've we've not had that goalkeeper since Reyna was good in like 2009. <laughs> um, mm, mm. So it it all these these couple good pop performances he's put in a row it, it's it's what we need we need we need a we need a, a good settling in period for a goalkeeper i mean carrius obviously came with a good reputation from from germany and and he, we're starting we're starting to see where this reputation came from even if it's just the beginning of his liverpool career i mean he seemingly has this this remit the remainder of this season to stop clock buying a number one i mean we hired that um german scout or recruitment bloke that Klopp was asked about in the press the other day, so it seems Carrius has got the rest of the season to make well, not make the spot of his own, but try and um, beat Mignolet to the number two spot and then compete with the, with the new number one, if, if that's the if that is the plan, but if he plays like he did yesterday, that's all we can ask, until he's challenged with an absolute monster save to make we, we don't know if he if he does have De Gea talent or not, but he's making the saves, and that's that's all we can do, and the best thing from for me is, I said I said it with the first goal. He, he's moving the ball fast, and he's doing everything a lot faster. Whether it's closing the angle, distribution, um, just even on even on crosses, he's so much more proactive than Minyale. Um And I don't want to turn this into Carriers versus Minyale because there's only one winner in my in my mind. Um, but he just seems to be a bit better at everything, really. And and there was that weird stat where he, he let so many shots on target in in a row. Freak, freaky stuff like that happens. Um, but he seems to have, he seems to have settled in since Van Dykes came in, and, and Everton he looked a bit nervy. But new centre back who, who's actually shouting at you. I mean, I wouldn't want Van Dyke mm. shouting at me. <laughs> um, 
but Van Dyke actually seems to know what to shout about, mm, which uh, I think makes a makes a pretty big difference. I know that's a really terrible thing to say about the rest of our defense, but honestly, they just it just looks like they were shouting at each other, like pointing and shouting. Whereas oh, Van Dyke, the pointing is beautiful, isn't it? Where yeah, it's, we should have yeah, <laughs> we should have a pointing index. Um, <laughs> but but like with Van Dyke, it's not always shouting. You know, sometimes like he'll just turn around and. Look at somebody in particular and say, you know, you have to keep the communication open, you know, make the sign uh, of the talking and, and stuff like that. And that kind of thing, we've not really seen that from our usual center backs a lot. So that, that's got to be helping as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the biggest criticism of our center backs, well, apart from lack of defensive ability, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is um, the lack of leadership and communication, isn't it? I mean, Carragher was the famed one, but Agger seemed to be in that hippier mould where he was quiet, but on the field he was a, mm. a speaking animal. Uh, for me, Sacco seemed to have a bit of that, but well, that he was always injured and then obviously went down the pan for off-field re- reasons. Um, but yeah, Van Dyke, he seems to have came in We've seen Robertson get better, get a bit better. Um, I know he made a couple of mistakes yesterday, but in the main, he's been pretty good. Um, Matip seems to be much more calmer. Uh, Lovren, lost cause, <laughs> lost cause, to be honest. And we've, we've seen the improvement in Carrius, and it's, um, and even the midfield, you see there's a, a, a better, there seems to be a better relationship there. I mean, he was even talking to Wembley Chan, who was obviously given the armband, but, the Liverpool captaincy is it's Henderson, Milner, and then two of us been here longest, isn't it? So it, it's just a it's just a symbol at this stage. But he he seems to have stepped into the shall we coin it the Carragher role where you can hear him on telly shouting at people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's uh, it, it, he's much needed, and it's it's not just him being a physical monster. It's the leadership that that we've missed probably more so. Mm. Aiden, from your perspective, uh, good performances in the field for Southampton or anyone in it disappointed you? I always try and have a lookout for Lamina and Romeo because they are like two of my favorite players in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're a bit underrated. I mean, as you guys have said, uh, but a bit of a weird game for Romeo just because Southampton had so much of the ball in the first half and then so yep. little second half, but again, so little control. Um, but yeah, those two just really look a class apart at the moment. Yeah, they, they, yeah, definitely. I mean, my selection for for man of the match was was Lamina, um, and he, yeah, as I as I mentioned earlier, he's, he, our whole game plan was was no doubt to pack that midfield, um, pick up on them little loose balls, look to break the lines through the midfield there, um, and we worked some nice triangles. All of them have had a really good education in football as well in our midfield. You know, you got Hoiberg, ex Bayern, worked on the pet. You've got Romeo, who obviously came through through La Masia. Um, and then obviously Lamina has spent his years in Juventus as well. So, you know, some pretty cultured and intelligent midfielders there. Um, it, the harsh thing with Southampton at the minute is I feel, I feel bad even digging out any particular players. Um, because I know that they're all worth so much better than this, that they are capable of so much more. Um, and largely off the field, they've all been absolutely superb this season. I mean, I can't fault them as professionals. Um, throughout the entire season. Everyone's got their head down and I've got no doubt in my mind that all of them are focused. Um, I think maybe Ward-Prowse didn't particularly have his, his best game, although he was involved in the earlier stages. Um, but yeah, no, no, it, it was more of a, a, the collective effort. effort. It, was, it was as clear as daylight to me, Pellegrino, and, and, and that was it. Um, I didn't particularly come away frustrated with any player. 
the hope mistake was obviously one that would be picked out and especially with the poor touch before that um so so you know a few question marks there but but minus that yeah i, I it's it's the kind of game where i don't think anyone's I, you know looking at the southampton replies and checking my twitter and the southampton fan base how they were talking and i mean no one was talking about the, the individuals or any individual player letting us down on the day oh that's horrible yeah yeah no but i i get that i get that um Guy, final question for you in this section um, before we start looking ahead to our fixtures. I wanted to ask you about the fullbacks because it's not in this game. It's It's been in a couple games now, but I'm just a little bit worried about the defensive side of our fullback play. I, I don't necessarily want, you know, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying it's the player's fault, but I, I think the fullback positions, whether they're isolated or exposed or however you want to put it, but we, there have there have been a couple of problems, and we did see during that half an hour spell from Southampton. I felt it was both sides that, that you know they got behind that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. happened in yeah. It has cost us so far. Um, so, how, do you think that's a problem? How big a problem do you think it is? If it is a problem, um, I'm not I'm not overly worried about it. I mean, I think the right back is it's not a problem, but it's always going to be a target because obviously. Clyde being injured or whatever the internet's gonna rumor. <laughs> um mm-hmm. it's um it, it's it's gonna be a problem. Obviously Salah plays in front of them, so we don't we don't really want Salah tracking back um being a helping the fullback. So we've seen we've kind of seen Bobby come back at times and stuff like that. So I think the right side it it seems more balanced when Gomez is there. I mean I, I prefer Trent but obviously Gomez being there, he, he, he is a centre-back, so he basically sits back and doesn't do much in the attacking sense. Left-back's weird. I don't. For me, I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't that worried about Robertson or, or Moreno's defensive play. I mean, Moreno has more mad moments, admittedly, but in, in general play, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried, that worried about either. I mean, any, any full-back can get overexposed against against wingers and full and full backs um two V one in them. But I'm not I'm not worried defensively about either of them. Uh, to be honest. I mean Robertson's attacking player worries a bit me a bit, but he is only um six odd months in it was Liverpool career and we we still gotta get the hull out of him where he's crossing first time and stuff like that. I mean attacking wise I think you can see Moreno's more set in the Liverpool fashion. Um defensively I don't see that much difference between them. Um and uh, and uh, Robbo, he's yeah, as I said, just get, get the hull out of him, and I think he'll be fine. Until we've got a, a six foot eight striker, I don't think he, I don't mm-hmm. I don't really want to see a cross from him. Uh, that's basically that's basically my only bugbear. I, I, I see where I see where the uh, the worry comes from, but I think without, without the way we play, I think the fullbacks is probably the weak point in the formation because they they are the ones to get exposed, especially seeing as we've tried to. Um, fix the centre back getting exposed by keeping one of the full backs back and then making the midfield a bit more defensive. It's kind of left the full backs a bit more exposed at times. So yeah, I think it's a, we just got to try and find a balance between, um, how much the midfield helps the full back and the centre backs. But hopefully Van Dyke coming in, um, it, it the, the full back situation is kind of helped because you can rely on the centre a bit more. So hopefully we'll, we'll see a bit more of a, uh, a team structure around helping the fullbacks. Oh yeah, no, I'll have a look over that. Good points, though. Very good. Points. I'm going to, I'm going to put two questions into one for you here, Aiden. Um, mm-hmm. The, the, you know, 
the reason why I'm asking about the Pellegrino and where the decision might come is because just at this moment, you guys have got some very important fixtures coming mm. up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, teams who are um, in and about and around you and also teams who have been suspect who can be sort of got at, you know. And I mean, to, to, to here was where I'm going to wrap up two questions at once. These are the kinds of game where... Uh, somebody like Carrillo would be very, very useful. You know, just mm-hmm. that's the person you're sort of looking for to to be able to compete with the defenders you're going to sort of uh, be coming up against. So, I mean, let, let's look to this set of fixtures coming up, uh, coming up there. I mean, w- w- how, how much enthusiasm can you muster for them? Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to, in a weird way now, in a weird old way. Um, I think that. Next six games really are, are going to decide whether we stay up or not. Um, we've got some scarier fixtures near the end of the year: um, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man City, um, and that will frighten the living daylights out of me. I've got to be honest with you. I'm looking at the fixtures, and I'm, all I can think is, is that this is the perfect time, if ever, to pull the trigger. Um, we've got 12 days until our next Premier League fixture, um, and and between that time, our next weekend's game is against West Brom uh, in the FA Cup. So, I mean, that would be a, a brilliant game for the for a new manager, perhaps, to get his grips on the team. And after that, I mean, it's Burnley, Stoke, Newcastle, Swansea, West Ham, so many teams in and around us. And as you say, I mean, that's the perfect time for Carrillo to get firing again. Um, perfect time for him to get off the mark. Uh, and, and it's what kind of what we need now. If we're going to stick with Pellegrino, I think it's going to have to be individual performances, someone who's going to go down as a bit of a, a cult hero from here on in saving our relegation. Um, that's the way I see it, guy. Maybe I don't know Charlie bouncing back into the team and coming to save us out of relegation. Um, but yeah, with the with these particular games, I mean, back to back wins. That's that's not much to ask for when you're currently sitting in seventeenth place in the no eighteenth place in the league. Um, and and with the players that we've got, back to back wins here is is absolutely necessary. If out of those six games against you know Burnley, Stoke, Newcastle, Swansea, West Ham, and Arsenal. Uh, I'd, I'd be incredibly disappointed with with anything less than nine nine points. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 does seem fair. It does seem fair, and it does seem fair, you know, to to sort of look at those games and say that's where we want to get the points. And you know, get mm. get out of the relegation zone now. Getting out, yeah. now. especially yeah. because I, I well, think so. I think it I was think... like four points between like tenth position and and eighteenth or something like that. Like it's an incredibly yeah. condensed league. Putting a couple wins together, you know, just it, it skyrockets you out of that uh, position-wise, if not oh, points-wise. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I mean, just, Caden, it's just the right time. Over the next, yeah, I mean, over the next six games, really, if we hit an absolute stroke of form, we can find ourselves in in the top half. It, it's it's mm. absolutely crazy the team work, the way that the the league works at this minute. But that's the, my biggest worry. The last thing I want to do is leave it down to another team and. I mean, we've got Manchester City on the final day of the season, and I do not want to leave it down to that. Um, so, so yeah, if if Saints, please, God, if you could do me a favour over the next six games, then then go right ahead. <laughs> nice, <laughs> All right, guy. From our perspective, I don't want to talk about the next league game as such because we've got a really big game against Porto coming up. What are you thinking for that one? Um, Henderson coming back in and Carrier to maybe retain his position. Um, that's the only thing I care about, right? Is the uh, <laughs> is to be honest, the outfield people will probably just pick themselves. But the keeper, we've seen, we've seen them swap for cup games and stuff like that. Just, just, just don't do it, Jurgen. We don't need to see Mignolet back in. Oh God, it's I, 
just just keep Carrierson. Let him let him try and keep his place and for the rest of the season. Let's see what he actually is because uh, we saw Minnelli against West Brom. It it was it was it wasn't even embarrassing. It was un, it was simply unacceptable. It was like he wasn't asked. Um, I don't know if that's because he, he's lost his number one spot and he's just not feeling it anymore, but. That West Brom Although, game. Although, to be honest, like for the season, there's a graph going around of, uh, of your keepers and, and save percentages and stuff. Yeah. And Mignolet is like, what, third or fourth worst keeper in the league or something? No, like no, it's, he's, he's second, but only behind Joe Hart. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Fantastic <laughs> company right there. Yeah. <laughs> is Fraser Forster down there by any chance? Oh, I'll, I'll have a look. I think he might be rock right bottom. bottom. Perhaps. No, I mean, Joe, he's been Joe out Hart. the side of. Joe Hart was different. It was, it was, <laughs> it was actually funny. <laughs> nice um, to know the English are doing us well before the World yeah. Cup. Thing is, mm. Butler's Butler was bad as well. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good summer for England. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just, just play Carrius, and as you said, um, Henderson will obviously come back in. He, he's rested um, for that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who will partner him. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably like to see the same defence. Um, maybe rotate the full-backs because we've seen, we seem to do that in cup games. But obviously this is a knockout one, so it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's Gomez and Albi, I think that kind of makes sense a bit. Um, midfield probably go a bit more steady. I think we might try and play a bit more for the draw rather than go a bit gung ho. Obviously the second leg being at Anfield and. I think Porto, I think they're undefeated this in the league this season, so it will be a tough game. But um, uh, I think I, I, I trust Klopp to not get battered in Porto. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. They're in like they're. I mean, from what people are writing about them, they just turn into quite a formidable side. <laughs> so I'm hoping that only applies. <laughs> <laughs> not in the Champions League but yeah but no thanks guys we are almost out of time we've got enough time for plugs though as always so Aiden let us know what's going on with you yeah sure if you want to check out anything on the website it's www.freshsaints.com and the Twitter is at Fresh Saints or if you want to follow my personal account it's at Mr. Aiden Small nice and with you my friend Guy yeah um I was on the preview for the Portal game and I will be doing the post-match so that should be out um, Wednesday night. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye out on that. Um, hopefully it'll be a happy occasion where I'm talking about a, a good result for Liverpool. Like a, a good 6-0 win. But yeah, just check them. check them out. And I'll probably be on next week's face off, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll definitely welcome that. All right, no, but cool. Thank you so much, guys. It was really good talking to you as usual. And yeah, we will see you again for the next game, which is, um, I don't even remember what it is because it's such a little game, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a break after the FA <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, do, do tune in next time. And until then, the seven-day trial for AI Pro is still running. So, you know, you can listen in for free, check out what's going on, and decide if you want to subscribe or not. So do have a look out for that. And until we see you again, thanks as always. See you again next time. Bye-bye. Let's get ready to rumble! Let's <laughs> go.
siempre. Sports Social Podcast Network.